You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto, and I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat, or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com. Hello there. Welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks, and we have Allison Richards with us today. Allison, are you there? I'm there. Hello, Rebecca. Nice, nice to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're on the show today. And uh, we just had a bit of trouble getting through to you. But now that you're here, I'm going to ask you a question I think that I have prepared you for, which is, what is ayahuasca? <laughs> well, ayahuasca is the most powerful, I believe, medicinal plant in the jungle. It's quite often referred to as the mother plant or... Um, Dr. Ayahuasca, and it's a plant that um, has been used for many, many years, centuries, for medicinal purposes and for spiritual purposes by um, the, the shamans, curanderos, and medicine men of South, South America. And um, I was fortunate enough to study with one of those shamans and to participate in some ayahuasca ceremonies. Right, great, and, and medicine women too. Um, medicine, medicine women as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. So let's get into a bit of um, your background uh, and what was happening in your life when you discovered ayahuasca. I find there's always there always seems to be a connection between what one is seeking and then when they find ayahuasca. Well, for me, for me, I had basically a medical problem. In 2012, I suffered a stroke that was caused from biotoxin poisoning. And I had problems with my memory, I lost some of my vision, I had a lot of um, pain and pressure and headaches. I had headaches constantly. And um, I basically worked with a neurologist and internal medicine specialist and a crew of, a crew of doctors who were trying to cure me. Um, and there was nothing, that there was no treatment, there was no viable, there was no magic pill, there was no remedy. I basically had to control, um, clean, clean my body from the biotoxin poisoning from, um, by limiting my diet. Uh, a couple of years later, so that was in 2013, uh, 2012. In 2015, I was preparing for a trip to Peru to do a documentary. I'm a filmmaker and a journalist and a writer, and, and um, I wanted to do a documentary on the problems of the indigenous people in South America. And one of the things that I came across in my pre-preparation and my research for the trip was the um, because I'm always interested in medicines was the alternative medicines and the use use of ayahuasca. So I studied a little bit more about ayahuasca, and as a, I'm a voracious researcher, so I really tear into things once I discover them. Yeah, I can and it, <laughs> it, Yeah, and it became apparent to me right away that the ayahuasca was quite possibly something that could help me with my neurological damage, and um, because it. The way it scientifically it works, it works on um, repairing uh, the synapses and the connections in your brain. So I made a decision to to do the ayahuasca, to prepare to do the ayahuasca. <laughs> so it's a little bit different making a decision to prepare uh, to to do it, and um, so that was what sort of led me in that direction. And for the preparation, I think is everybody has a different you know a different take on this, but for me. I'm really specific, <laughs> and I looked at all the rules and all of the suggested um, preparation, which was 
uh, restricted diet. I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat anyway, so that was easy for me. Um, no drugs, no alcohol, no sex. Um, and I prepared for several months before my trip to Peru, and then I was planning to be there for four months. And But what I did was I made the condition that I would not look for the ayahuasca once I arrived in South America, that if it was meant for me to take the ayahuasca, it would come to me organically. So and what so what I do did, you think made you made you um, form that that sort of plan? You had done all this prep, and yet you were going. You well, were saying, "Okay, it has to find me." Yeah, it was in, interestingly enough. One of them, one of them, I think, was fear and uncertainty. Yeah, because a lot of us have I, that. <laughs> I'm very sensitive to medications, and this was one of the problems that I had with the traditional medicine. So I thought, I don't want to be in the middle of a jungle somewhere with some guy and drink something that will kill me. Of course. That was part of it. But also, um, I've always been a person to sort of let the universe guide me. And I make decisions and I set goals. But sometimes what we think is the best for us isn't necessarily what is the best for us. That's true. So I set up a, a series of conditions that had to be met. And in order for me to take the ayahuasca, I needed to be in an appropriate place with an appropriate shaman an authentic, appropriate shaman. I didn't want to go to some tourist place where I was going to be in a room with 30 other people participating, because to me that wasn't an authentic situation. And I wanted to, um, and I wasn't going to look for it, because I figured if this is really something that's meant for me, the universe will set me on a path and I will find it. So that's pretty much what happened. Wow. So how did that <laughs> I, I, unfold? Yeah. Um, I have, I had a, I was, like I said, I was working on a film and I had been already for over almost three months in Peru. I was getting near the end of my trip and my interpreter, um, I had some problems with my interpreter and he had to go back to Cusco. We were in the, the southeast of Peru in the Amazon jungle and he had to go back to Cusco for four days. So I was sitting in this small town with really nothing to do. And at the hostel where I was staying, I met a girl who was on her way for five weeks to this place in the jungle. And I thought, wow, five weeks in the jungle. Who would go for five weeks in the jungle? <laughs> so I asked her, and I thought, it must be a great place, because she seemed pretty impressed to want to go there. She'd been there before, and she was returning. So I thought, I asked her, could I come along with her? And I went along. Um, I was only planning to stay two days, which is how long I stayed. And the first day we arrived, we were taken on a tour through the jungle, and I met a lot of the medicinal plants. They were introduced to me. This is a tree for tuberculosis. This is a tree for the kidneys. This is a plant that's useful for urinary tract infections. So all, you know, it was, it was really amazing to me because I've been studying medicine and, and, and drugs and remedies for most of my adult life. And meeting these plants personally and seeing them in their natural state was really interesting. This is the pharmaceutical companies go down to South America yep. and they take the plants and then they take them back to their labs and they synthesize them. They and mess they with them birds. six ways to Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So to me, seeing, you know, seeing the original plants in their natural habitat was really interesting. And also the knowledge of um, the locals, the man who took us on the tour he wasn't a shaman, but he had been working with the shaman for five years. So he was very knowledgeable about the plants and showed us, I mean, I think that day I must have learned 50 different plants. It was mm -hmm. really quite incredible. The next day, a shaman showed up at the lodge where I was staying, and he was there to provide ayahuasca ceremony for two people. 
And I thought, okay, well, here I am, and I'm ready, because I had been practicing the diet, and I had met all the criteria, but I still had reservations. Like, when I saw him, I was instantly impressed, and I thought, yes, this guy looks authentic. (laughs) He had bare feet, and he came up over the edge of the riverbank, and he (laughs) beamed just happiness. (laughs) So right away, I thought, that's the shaman. (laughs) There was no question in my mind, but I still was a little bit fearful how will I affect this medicine, and, you know, is it really right for me? And I, I told the, the interpreter that I just wanted to sit, if it was okay, if I sat in the ceremony room and just observed for a while while they were preparing for the ceremony. There was two people who were going to be participating, two tourists um, from Czech Republic, and the shaman and myself and, and the interpreter. Because the shaman didn't speak any English at all, just Spanish and uh, some ancient language. So I sat in the room, and the shaman pointed to the interpreter and got her attention, and then pointed his finger at me and said, this woman has a blackness in her brain, and the ayahuasca can help her. And I was very stunned, (laughs) because that was exactly what my problem was. I had a blackness in my brain. I, I was affected by black mold, is what it was. And the mold, the you know, there was still toxins in my body, and there was damage caused by the biotoxin poisoning that had created memory loss and literally a blackness in my brain. So when he diagnosed me without knowing anything about me, my name or my anything, I was really quite um, stunned. And that was when I made the decision, all right, this is a, this is pretty much met all my criteria. I'm going to take the ayahuasca. And um, on the first... Uh, the first treatment, the first ceremony, I was sick the whole time. I was throwing up and purging in the bathroom, mm. but it felt really good. And I knew I was so comforted by it. I've never thrown up and felt comfort. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's odd. It's really odd. <laughs> I've experienced <laughs> that really, too. Yeah. Yeah, I was really comforted because I knew that the stuff that was in my body had to get out. So I was really happy about that. And, um, and I just let myself... I concentrated and focused on the ayahuasca cleaning my body and healing the, the damages, and that's exactly what it did. It's a really and unusual thing for for a first timer to to experience that. Not not the throwing up. That's that's kind of typical. But um, if there is such a thing with ayahuasca, which there isn't, but the attitude that you had, like it, I I, rem- I didn't throw up a great deal for a long, long time. And then when I had this one episode where I was just throwing up all night, I had the same feeling that you described. I'm so glad you said that because it's weird because to other people, they saw me going through this and it was like, I'm sure they suffered more than I did because they thought this poor woman. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, yeah, get it all out. I know, I know. I was so grateful. (laughs) I was really, and at one point, what was really funny was I had thrown up a little bit in my bucket and the shaman said, Noni, Banyo. He was calling me Noni because he couldn't pronounce Allison. <laughs> and Noni is my nickname. It means grandma. Right. So he said, Noni, Noni, Banyo. And I thought, does he want me to go to the bathroom? Oh, maybe I'm supposed to empty my bucket. I really didn't understand what he was trying to tell me. But right. I thought, okay, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I know what Banyo means. So mm-hmm. I took my bucket and I emptied it in the toilet. And that was when I thought, well, I'm in here. I might as well go. <laughs> and that's when the purging <laughs> And I thought, wow, how did he know that? Yeah. <laughs> I was, again, I was very grateful, (laughs) but it was, that was, I mean, I just, I knew that that's what I needed, Mm -hmm. and I knew I was in the right place, and everything, because I had set those conditions, and I had set the intention so clearly, 
that when it came, I didn't question it. I just knew it was the right thing. And so, yeah, I, I, I threw up, <laughs> I threw up gratefully. That's and, good. um, at four o'clock in the, and he, like, I noticed that he treated me differently than the other two people. The other two people were just kind of laying there and they weren't really doing much of anything, but I was quite actively participating with the bucket. And the shaman was singing and praying and singing and praying over me and really, really putting a lot of energy. And the other people were kind of just laying there doing nothing. I felt I felt a little bit guilty because I thought I was using a lot of his time. I didn't realize that I needed more help than the other people needed. Um, they were just enjoying the a different kind of ceremony than I was. Mm-hmm. At four o'clock in the morning, I finally told him, "Okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough." And um, I went back to my room and slept for a couple of hours. And at seven o'clock in the morning, there was a knock on my door from the interpreter, and she said, "The shaman is leaving, and he wants to talk to you before he goes." I said, "Okay." So I went down to the riverbank, and somebody had seen me. One of the other tourists saw me, and they said, "Wow, you look fantastic." <laughs> <laughs> After I had been up all night throwing up, I thought it was kind of a surprising thing for someone to tell me. (laughs) Yeah, it can change you that much. Mm -hmm. Well, I realized what had happened. There was color in my face because all of the blockage of the oxygen and the nutrients that weren't able to get to my brain were causing me to have a very gray complexion. After the ayahuasca, it was like the plug, the drain had been pulled out out of the, the plug, been pulled out of the drain, and all this stuff came out. And yeah, I realized then I didn't have a headache. And I'd had a headache for three years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't have a headache. My headache is gone. Yeah, that's so pretty amazing. So it was really uh, like a, a, a one-time miracle, you know? I just was really um, just grateful, but also very surprised at how affected it had been. But so, the first thing the shaman said to me was, you need another treatment. So was, did you experience that all as strictly physical, or was there another element to it? Well, I, I, I kept sort of hoping and waiting for visions to come, and what I got was a lot of blackness. And, yeah. I, re- and I, kept, I kept thinking, all I'm seeing is black. I'm just seeing black. I'm black. And then I realized, I'm full of blackness. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing, because that's what I have. Of course. But there was some... There was a couple of times when it was almost like a, like a camera panning up into this blackness because I was, I was searching for light, and I kept saying, just show me a little bit of light, right? Just a little bit of light. Mm-hmm. And it was like a top of a mountain range, and a little tiny spark of light was coming over the top of it. And I got that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was very comforted. And even though I didn't have the experience that I was expecting, I got, ex- I got an experience that made total sense to me and was a very appropriate experience because I was full of poison, and a lot of it was removed. Now, the shaman said, you need another treatment. I said, I can't. I have to go back to the town. I'm sorry, but I thank you for the one that I got. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought that was it. I thought it was over. I went back to the city, and, but he told me before I left, he said, you have the ayahuasca in your body. Once it's in your body, it's always there. You're a very powerful communicator, and you're very powerful a very strong power of concentration. So all you need to do is focus on the ayahuasca and you can continue the healing using the ayahuasca that remains in your body. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I just focused on the ayahuasca doing more healing. And I was very happy (laughs) with the results. Um, I went back to the city on a one and a half hour boat ride and my interpreter showed up 
um, with his wife, and I said, oh, I just came from this place, and we had arranged to go shoot in an area that was, to shoot video in an area that was very dangerous, it's where a lot of gold mining goes on, mm. and he said, we have to wait a couple of days because somebody from the military is going to go with us for protection. Wow. And I said, okay, that's good. <laughs> so what are we going to do for a couple of days? I said, well, you guys really should go and see this place that I was just at because they have a travel agency in Cusco and they take people on tours of Machu Picchu. So I thought this would be good for their business to see if someone was asking where to go in the jungle. I said, this place is beautiful and I had a really great experience with the shaman. And when I mentioned the shaman, this guy who was like a local, he was, he was like, whoa, a shaman? Because that's really, the people from Peru don't, <laughs> participate in the ayahuasca the same way tourists do. It's amazing. I know I've had these conversations and uh, it's a really weird thing to be standing there and and talking to a Peruvian about their own, (laughs) something that's so deeply embedded in their own culture and and, and having them actively like ask questions and pursue it with me. And it's like, okay, this is just odd. But yeah, um, he was, yeah, it he happens. Was like, well, because they're ca- the Catholic, the Catholic yes. has been sort of beaten into that. Absolutely, and many that's of us. What he was, <laughs> yeah, he was saying, "No, this is wrong," and I thought, "No, it's not." I feel really great. <laughs> like a day later, and I thought, I felt like I felt like I was fifteen. You know, I had so much energy. It was it was unbelievable to me. It was like it was literally like I had been a clogged drain, and somebody pulled the plug, and all the dirt came out of me. So nice. So. Um, we went back because he wanted to see and witness this. So I, then we, I didn't know if the shaman was going to be there or not. I just was going to show him this, this lodge in the jungle, which was really beautiful. And we arrived, and the next day the shaman came. And when he saw me, he was so happy. He's like, Noni, you came back. <laughs> so, so I took a second ceremony, and the, my interpreter, tour guide, actually stayed in the room and witnessed it. He he. He didn't want to participate, but he stayed in the room and he watched the whole thing. And um, the second experience was much different because it wasn't uh, about as much about the detox. I was focusing more on healing of my memory and healing of some of the um, the different things that had happened to me in my past, maybe bad memories that I've had, or you know. So it, I was focusing on a little bit different. Um, intention on the Mm -hmm. second time and it was a much different experience. So tell us about Um, that. uh, Really um, that was when I had like more visions and I entered into a conversation. I kept asking questions and every time I would ask a question I would be like well what should I do about this? And the the answer (laughs) I don't know and I can't even explain how the answer came because it was just like it was like my own consciousness giving me the answer, but I knew it was coming from the ayahuasca. Right. Um, was, why are you asking these questions? You already know the answer. You know the answer to that. I just kept getting back the same answer was that you know the answer. Oh, yeah. And it was true. I did know the answer. I was asking questions because I wanted to be validated, and I wanted that <laughs> comfort to know that I was doing the right thing. I was basically asking for a pat on the back. Of course. It's natural. <laughs> I, I, I've done that many times. And even after these long, long conversations, daily and nightly, I still want it. <laughs> We're all like children. Yeah. Well, because I always want to be sure. This is the yeah. kind of researcher I am, too. Like, I will research something to death. Because I want to make sure that I have all the facts straight and that I know all the information. And maybe there's more information out there I haven't found yet, right? But, I mean, you know, I'm an expert on the most ridiculous subjects. <laughs> like, yeah. like that was just, 
it was basically my, that's my part of my nature. I'm very thorough and I really want the truth. I feel like that too. I think you and I connect on that a great deal. And, and what ayahuasca responded to me was like, yeah, and that exists inside of you. It's either there or it isn't, you know, and the only way you get there is that journey to that place where you, you get there and you feel that it's not outside, you know? So I had, you know, just really unbelievably powerful and successful and beautiful experiences. And I had heard that a lot of people don't have that. They have, but I think part of it is maybe they're not prepared or maybe they're not in the right setting. So but, are you willing to take us through that? Like what that was like, what kind of visions that you that you got, if any, and, and how that, I well, mean, other than the consciousness responding, what was she, was she responding about specifically? Are you okay with talking about that? Yeah, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll, I I went home after those two ceremonies because then it was kind of the end of my trip, and I was on the west coast of Canada, and I kept thinking about the jungle, and I was almost obsessing about going back, and I thought, I really need to know more, and I really need to understand more, and I want to study also the other plants of the jungle, not just the ayahuasca, but there's something very magical going on. Because yeah. I had felt this profound sense of connection. That was, I think that was like really, it was like when I drank this ayahuasca the second time, I became very aware of how connected we all are. Right. We're connected to the ground, to the stars, to the water, to the people around us. And it, interestingly enough, I had studied quantum physics, quantum entanglement, the theory of entanglement. And I knew basically how it worked, but I didn't really understand it. After I took the ayahuasca, I understood. Yeah. It, it, made, it made things that I had learned before in my life made sense all of a sudden. Things right. that, I, that I had book knowledge of, but not the heart knowledge. And um, so after a year and a half in Vancouver, I returned to Puerto Maldonado and to the jungle, and I stayed for six months. And wow. I was that your intention? You had set out and planned to be there for six months? I had planned to be there for six months, yes. And I what? called the lady whose place I had stayed at, and okay. I said, what would you charge me? I said, I'm working on a project, I'm writing a book, and I'm doing some research. I just want a quiet place where I can unplug. Mm-hmm. I needed to get away from the computer. This, this much I knew. I was spending 18 hours a day mm-hmm. researching. That's not healthy for anybody. No, I know. So I've been I thought there. I really... <laughs> I really need that. I really need that connection again. Like I felt, I felt like I had been ripped away with just when I had connected. You know, it's like yeah. you get a fish on the line, and you feel that fish, and then it gives off. And you're like, oh. Yeah. So I had to, I had to go back because I felt like I really felt called to learn more, and that's what I did. I, I studied more of the plants. I studied. I learned more about the ayahuasca and how it works. More about the shaman and his history, and how to apply those things in my life. And the the series, the the woman, the place where I had stayed, I called her and said, you know, would you let me stay there? And how much would you charge me because I'm poor for four to six months? And she made a deal with me that if I acted as a, a guide for the tourists that came to visit and interpreted for them because the host only speaks Spanish and most of the tourists don't speak Spanish, um, then I could just stay there. Uh, and that was an amazing opportunity for me. It was again. It was like that was uh, like I was meant to be there. I felt like this is the right thing because it all fell together so beautifully. Mm-hmm. And when I studied, when I, um, and then I had a different. I was there for in a different capacity because I was there working. 
sort of working I, a few hours a, a day, um, helping with meal preparation and cleaning the rooms and things like that. But it was a couple hours a day. And, but the tourists were there, some of them, to take ayahuasca. And my job was to facil- facilitate that. And I, as an observer, I learned a lot because I didn't participate every time the ayahuasca over the course of six months, I took the ayahuasca eight more times, but I sat on a lot of ceremonies and I watched other people. Right. And that was, when, that was when I understood how important it is to do ayahuasca with people that you know and you trust, mm-hmm. because it is a connected experience. Well, we don't it always becomes, have the luxury of knowing the people we do ayahuasca with in advance. It's very rare, in fact. It's very rare, yeah. But, but people, need to be, people need to be understand that you are connecting with those other people, and you need to protect yourself from their bad energy, from their bad spirit, from their misfortunes, because otherwise you're just opening the door for all that to come to you. I really got that, um, and and this is why I think that, you know, sometimes people have bad experiences with ayahuasca. It's not necessarily always generated from them, but maybe they're picking up energy from other people around them that uh, that they don't understand or that doesn't feel right. Um, well, actually, you know, there's a... There's a wisdom that goes that, um, and and I've experienced this for myself and many, many others have, that the people you end up gathering with um, all become your teachers in one way or another. Even even negative experiences are there to teach you. So um, you form the intention and the people who arrive, just like you put it out there to the universe saying, you know, if someone, if, if it finds me, I'll do it. Um, this same sort of thing can happen with complete strangers, um, not all of them being um, at the same place that you are in life. In fact, it's it's kind of helpful when they're not. And then that interesting blend ends up providing some immense opportunities to heal. Even those that provoke and uh, and even those dark experiences can be amazingly healing. Absolutely. I agree totally. And what was interesting to me was I didn't even have to, to take the ayahuasca. Just being in the room with those people, because I already had that ayahuasca experience, I was sharing the experience with them, even though I wasn't drinking. Yeah. Because, and I was seeing, I saw people as they arrived, and I saw how they were, and then I saw how they were different afterwards. Of course, and yeah. I, and I, I, so being an outsider witnessing other people's ceremonies was really interesting, and, and I did learn a lot from that. And also seeing the way that the shaman uh, worked with different people. In some ceremonies, he sang way more than in others. In some ceremonies, he focused more on praying. In some ceremonies, he was really quiet. It really depended on the people in the ceremony. Right, of and, course. Um, at one, at, actually, in one ceremony, he was sick, and he was really sick because he was taking a lot of this bad energy from this woman and whatever her illness was I don't know so the shaman was purging and yep. he was really struggling and he he said to me Noni cante cante he was telling me please sing sing and I thought he wants me to sing because he can't <laughs> right yeah right because the singing he couldn't sing right because he was being sick but he wanted me to help him and he knew that I could do that and sometimes so I just that's open my mouth yeah, I Sorry. thought, what am I going to sing? I don't even know what to say. Well, sometimes this, that's the role of a shaman. Sometimes that's the role of the shaman to actually take on that and to purge for the person that they're healing. I've I've witnessed that many times, yes. and it's it's quite intentional. Um, it just so happened because he didn't have anyone else there to sing that you were elected. So how did that go? <laughs> that's something I'm well, intensely really interested in. 
Yeah, I was, you know, again, I was a bit hesitant at the of beginning. Uh, he'd been singing the same songs over and over and over again, so I knew kind of that song. So I just kind of opened my mouth and sort of let some sounds come out. Because I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to force anything. I thought I want, I just want to ha- let happen what happens, You're right? Right, yeah, And exactly. at first it sounded quite awkward, but then I got into a rhythm and, um, and somebody told me, oh, you were humming and making noises all night before you were singing. I wasn't even aware. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Did you take a little bit? So, sorry? Did you take a little bit? Sometimes facilitators do that, just to be in that space. No, no, I no, because my job was, I basically would stay in the room with them, I would explain everything, and then at the point where they were starting to feel the effect, I would check in with them to make sure that it, they felt okay and they felt safe, and then I would leave. Oh. Um, because I didn't, I, you know, I wouldn't stay there till one or two in the morning. I, I would stay just to make, just until they were like in a point where I thought, okay, they're comfortable, everything's fine, they're everything, you know, they're having a positive experience. There's no pro- trouble, and um, and then I would leave. I would leave. So this song so, just uh, flew out of you. Tell me how that went. Like how how did people respond? Did you see the effect that it had on people? How did it feel? Well, the, when that was the song happening? I know was was very necessary for the shaman. He needed the help. Yes. And I, I understood why he was, I understood that why he wanted me to sing was because there was nobody else there to sing for him. Right. The way he would, I'd be like, well, yes. he sings if somebody else is getting sick, but he's getting sick, so I need to sing for him. Right. And um, so I, I knew that it was, I knew that he was, I knew what he was asking me to do and why he was asking me to do it. So I wanted it to be authentic. So I just kind of opened my mouth and, and I kind of just waited for something to come out. Right. <laughs> and uh, that's what happened. Yeah, it was really, and it was, you know, just the the ayahuasca, Mother Ayahuasca, Dr. Ayahuasca. It was just a repetition of, you know, these words over and over and over again. But I, I oh, and this was the thing too, is I realized when he was singing, I would, I, I would almost like a hum but I, because when I felt the vibration and the resonance in my own body, it would intensify the effects. So I was creating my own noises, but I wasn't aware of it when I was first doing it. It wasn't until somebody pointed it out to me. Mm-hmm. I said, oh, yeah, I am doing that. It's like auto writing, but you're doing it with your voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, so I was, that, that, I was already making noises um, without really even being aware that I was doing that. And... Um, so let's move I'm on. Always, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the time, and yeah. I want to make time for, for um, more of your own um, experiences with ayahuasca. And I'm just wondering if you can share with us the, the rest of your experiences though, in ceremony. There was, there was one ceremony that was really special to me. It was the last one that I took before I left South America. And there had been two women from Czech Republic that had stayed for 12 days, and they had had like a package deal for um, four ayahuasca ceremonies and six floral baths, like cleansing floral baths. And on their last um, ceremony night, I said to them, would you guys like to, would you guys mind if I took the ayahuasca ceremony with you? Because I never, I never would just take it. I would always make sure that the other people were, were cool with me being there. So these two girls, I proposed to them, as we had, you know, become developed a friendship, I said, would you guys mind if I did the ayahuasca with you tonight? It's your last night. And they were like, yeah, that would be great. Because I, I, I thought it would be really interesting, the three women, and it would be a female dynamic. Every other time I had done ayahuasca was with um, at least one man present, but usually two, and the shaman. And um, so this was a, a, a unique and new experience for me. And 
we had a very beautiful, it was a much different experience. It was full of love and nurturing, and we were all singing. We were holding hands in a circle together, and um, the shaman was very moved. He, um, one of the things that was really interesting at one point, I always sort of had the same sort of looking visions. Everything, you know, I don't know if that's my signature artwork inside my head, but all of a sudden I started seeing something that was very different than what I had normally seen. And I asked, who's seeing butterflies and flowers, like giant big flowers and butterflies? And this girl started giggling, and she was like, that's me. So I was seeing somebody else's vision. And that was kind of an unusual thing for me. I know that other people had maybe seen part of what I had seen before because I was experiencing very intense visions and another guy in the room, whenever my vision got really strong, he would go, wow. (laughs) And then it would stop and then it would get stronger again and he would go, wow. And I thought, is this guy seeing my vision? (laughs) It was perfectly timed with what I was seeing. And so I had some experiences that were shared experiences, and that's where I really understood how powerful this medicine was, that it didn't, it wasn't just contained within my body, but that we were all connected. And um, there was really, for me, a very strong telepathic um, component that went along with the ayahuasca. Yeah, so let's go into that. Um, In what way, other than the visual, um, was there any other element to to the the connection that you made with them? Could you feel the things they were feeling, what they were healing, things like this? The the, the one girl um, that had been the interpreter my first night, she took the ayahuasca the second night. So that was the second time I'd taken it on my first trip to Peru. And we were laying side by side, and she was kind of fidgeting. And this was um, not long after we had taken it. And I said to her, Martina, you you need to throw up. <laughs> she said, no, no, I'm fine. I said, no, you need to throw up. Get your bucket. You're good. You need to throw up. I had no idea why I knew that, but I felt really strongly that she needed to throw up. And so I said, get your bucket. Get your bucket. So she grabbed her bucket, and literally she had a split second only. And she threw up. <laughs> and um, she was like, wow, how did you know that? I said, I could feel it. I could feel it. You had to throw up. I don't know how I felt that. I wasn't in pain. I wasn't having any distress, but I just knew that. And later on, maybe, I don't know, an hour later, the guy who was on my right, um, he started falling asleep. And I could feel that he was falling asleep. And I know that when you're on the ayahuasca, you're not supposed to sleep. So I said, Pavel, Pavel, wake up, wake up, you're falling asleep. And um, I had to call him several times because he was quite deeply um, engaged. And the shaman then stepped in because he realized, too, that the guy was falling asleep. But I don't don't know why I knew those things. I just knew. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was really... It was really interesting. Um, I so didn't did you, feel like I was falling asleep. It wasn't. It wasn't like I was having his experience. I just knew that he was falling asleep and he shouldn't. So, um, so and, and did you I go into a, your own experience like at all at that night or any other time? Like, I'm interested in, in finding out what happened during the times when you just go into your own deep experience. The things that, well, that, that kind of change you and change your worldview, and if, if you had any of those kinds of experiences. I had, I had a couple of very profound experiences, and one was I have very bad hearing and bad eyesight um, because, of a, because of injuries and because of health problems. 
And at one one night, I could see this lights outside from just through the the screen mesh window. I could see these lights up in the sky, which I said, "There's some kind of spaceship or something out there." I don't know what it was, but it was a circle of rainbow shaped lights. And then I saw that it was shining through the window and it was hitting the elbow. This beam of light was hitting the elbow of the guy beside me. And I pointed it out to him and he saw it as well. So that was really interesting. And I said, it's coming from this thing outside the window, but he couldn't see it because he had a different light sign of view. He saw the, he saw the light hitting his elbow, but he couldn't see where it was coming from. I said, there's a circle of lights out there. Now, I don't wear my glasses in an ayahuasca ceremony because you're sitting in a dark room and you're seeing visions. Right. You don't need glasses. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed my glasses to look out the window to see, like, if I could see this thing better, what it was, because I was trying to describe to this guy where the light was coming from that was hitting his elbow. And as soon as I put my glasses on, it disappeared. <laughs> and then I would take the glasses off and it would come back. And I would put them on, it would disappear. And I was just, like, putting my glasses off and on, off and on, like, there it is, gone back. It was the opposite of what you would think would be happening. And then I thought, oh, the ayahuasca has healed my vision. I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need my glasses anymore. Well, that's not true. Uh, the ayahuasca temporarily gave me visions that showed me things, and maybe my hearing was heightened during ayahuasca because of the, the power of the medicine in my body, but when I went back to being my normal me, I didn't see any better and I didn't hear any better. But the lesson that I learned was I don't see very well and I don't hear very well. I have impaired hearing and impaired vision, but I have very powerful ability to see things that other people don't see and it was really that was a profound lesson for me I for my whole life I've had premonitions and dreams and you know I point things out to people and they're like what I've that's just the kind of person I am I'm tapped into a different thing and that's what the ayahuasca showed me was in this physical world my hearing and my vision isn't that great but I have a much stronger ability to see things than most people see so, in a different way. So you've always had this. Was there anything that happened during your experiences with ayahuasca that changed something in you in terms of how you saw the world afterwards or things that you could do that you couldn't do before? Um, I think I think the biggest change for me is well, I see everything differently now. Really okay, so let's talk about now. that. And the, yeah, it, it's. I guess, I guess I'm being more honest with myself. That's great. In some yeah. ways, so I'm seeing things if more for the reality and understanding that not everything we look at is really what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And as far as one one experience that I had with was when I was pregnant with my daughter, and my daughter just turned 37 in April. April 7th was her birthday, and while I was on ayahuasca, um, I think it was maybe like my eighth or eighth ceremony, I think, something like that, I had this recollection of being pregnant with her. And when I was pregnant with her, I had two boys already. And she was the third, and she was like a surprise baby. <laughs> and so we weren't really that prepared for her. And I didn't want it. I had two boys already, and I didn't want to be disappointed to have a, another boy not a girl, although deep down I totally wanted a girl. I'm going to be honest there. Yes, I want a girl. <laughs> so I didn't want to be disappointed, so I convinced myself I'm having a boy. 
I'm having a boy. And this was before people had ultrasounds and they knew what they were having. So I thought, I'm having a boy, I'm having a boy. And people would ask me, I'd say, I'm having a boy. And I had all stuff prepared for a boy. I had a room prepared for a boy. I had clothes prepared for a boy because I already had two boys. And I had a name picked out for a boy, not even a name for a girl. In the delivery room when my daughter was born, the doctor said, oh, you have a girl. I said, no, it's a boy. (laughs) I argued with him. (laughs) And he laughed and he showed me the baby and he said, no, I'm pretty sure this is a girl. In all my years of medical training, this is a girl. (laughs) So what, and I, I had sort of like this, I guess, a replaying of those events. Well, I had the ayahuasca, and the realization came to me that while I was pregnant with my daughter, before she was even born, I was denying who she was as a human being. And I felt very responsible for maybe having caused confusion or pain in her life, because before she was born, I was denying who she was. And it really, I I really thought, wow, this is something that could have been really horrible for her me saying it's a boy it's a boy it's a boy when she was a girl yeah I found it really surprising um, to discover through shamanism how important um, on other levels it is the time that we spend in the womb like we all know that there's you know physical implications of what the mother's going through or whatever but there's all there's a whole world of other influences that I was just completely blind to and and that shamanism has helped me see and it's it's very deeply affecting what happens with our mothers and what their state is and what they're going through when they're pregnant with us and and of yeah. course when what we're going through when we're pregnant with a child and that's some that's a big lesson that I learned and I I, I still find it fascinating and surprising and you know and and I, I wish I knew it in advance <laughs> Yeah, but I learned well, this I mean, all I, after the fact. I, yeah, I can't undo the fact that I did yeah. this. But what I did do was when I got back, I contacted her and said, "Look, we need to talk about something that happened to me." And when I when I when you know when I finally spoke with her about it, she's like, "Mom, it's nothing." Like, no, <laughs> it didn't bother me at all. Like to to her, you know, apparently it was nothing. Um, but it was interesting. A couple of days later, she sent me a text message. She said, yeah, if you want to get together for coffee and talk about this, we can. So, you know, obviously there was a little hint of something for her. Maybe and she needed the time to, to, to process, process that and it, deal yeah. with it. So um, did, but, that, did that unfold well? I mean, do you think that well, you guys yeah, became it closer? Up, it, yeah, it ended up for her apparently being like a nothing. But I don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it's something that she just needs to process in her own time in a different way. Right, sure. Uh, you know, we've, we've always had kind of a, a, a challenged relationship. Um, you know, a diff- I had a much different relationship with her than I had with my boys, obviously. It's often the case. different. Yeah. So, so there was a lot of challenges, uh, mother and daughter challenges. Between yeah. Them. And, and I always wanted my kids to be their own individual self, and I know I'm a very strong personality and a very strong person. So I tried to, you know, give them that space and recognize you know, and that's what I'm saying is like when I had this vision, I realized, wow, before she was even born, I was already dictating who she was supposed to be. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And with me, yeah. it was the opposite. It's like I really wanted a girl <clears throat> and I got a boy. Yeah. And, and then when he came out, I felt 
how petty that was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Here's this yeah, amazing human being that I have the, you know, the honor of being mother to and and how silly it was to custom order a sex, you know. It's just, right, right. It's, you know, you realize afterwards, you're like, wow, that was really dumb. Why did I do yeah, that? I just had no yeah. idea. It's a concept until you actually do have this child in front of you and then this whole new world opens up. Right. But, but yeah, there was some of that well, going I had on been there worried too about, for me. Yeah, I had been worried about my own feelings. I didn't want to be disappointed that I was going to have another boy, so I convinced myself otherwise, right? Yeah, I was funny. concerned about my feelings, but I didn't realize how it was going to affect her. Yeah, Or that I it know. could affect her. I know. So 37 years later, I learned that lesson. And you know what? I don't even know if it could be any other way. Like what, what I was going through when I was pregnant with my son, it wasn't great, but I don't think I could have prevented it just for his sake. I, I really don't. I, I It wasn't pleasant. Right. I didn't want to go through it, you know. But, right. but things happen yeah. to us in this life, and, and sometimes all we can do is recognize it in hindsight and, and heal it the best we can. Um, exactly. I, well, I, I think that's, that was the point. Like I really felt compelled to discuss it with her because I thought if there's something – if you know, maybe there was nothing for her, maybe it was just for me to take to responsibility for my own actions. Yeah. It may have had nothing to do with her, but I felt very strongly like I had to communicate this to her. And um, and I, you know, like I had a lot of experiences while I was on the air ayahuasca that I did because I knew the telepathic ability of the ayahuasca, and I knew that my own telepathic abilities. So while I was taking the ayahuasca, at the end of each session, I was sending love and healing and energy to each member of my family. Focus on my sons. So I was sharing the ayahuasca with them. Right. Because I knew that I could do that. Yes. That's and, amazing. Um, yeah, and it was, it, was, it was actually interesting because my granddaughter, after the first trip I was there, she said to me, oh, I had this really weird dream one night that you came to visit me. Thought, oh, yeah, we've heard oh. of this happening. So she was, yeah, a, and it was her, the same when night? was that? Do you remember? I, well, I asked her, I said, do you remember when it was? Because I did the, the ayahuasca in the beginning of December, and her birthday is December 18th. I said, was it before your birthday? She said, yeah, it was before my birthday. I said, do you remember if it was a Sunday night? <laughs> She's like, I think it was a Sunday night because I was at dad's because she goes to her dad's for the weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it was a Sunday night. So, you so, know, a lot of times ayahuasca, we feel like, wow, these amazing things happen in the medicine. But, you know, often it's highlighting what we are capable of, really. Yes. And, and, and like, this is every day. And we're just simply not aware of it. So I, I've, I've been experimenting this with this myself because, because I, this dialogue continues for me every day. So in the night... You know, ayahuasca is encouraging me if I am concerned about something about my son. And one night she says, so talk to him. And I'm like, well, it's three in the morning, you know. And she goes, no, 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 like we're doing, you know, this consciousness exchange dialogue, right? And so I reached out to my son and, you know, within a couple of minutes he's at my door. And, wow. and I'm looking at him and hey, honey, what are you doing awake? And he says, I couldn't hear you. And then wow. he climbs in with me, and in the morning he couldn't remember any of it. But just think about the power of that and, and what ayahuasca is constantly teaching us about the state of our minds and how it impacts others and impacts our lives and, and, and all of the possibilities that happen as a result of that or not, you know? I think that's a pretty powerful thing, powerful takeaway. Yes, definitely, definitely. Well, I do. I look at, I question myself on things now differently than I used to question myself. 
and I think I have a lot more confidence in my abilities now. The ayahuasca, I was, I was always uncertain because I had, had had a lot of abuse in my life, and um, so I was always playing the victim card. And I realized I have power, and I have strength, and I have intelligence, and I have abilities, and I have these things, and it's okay to own them. It's not being selfish or or conceited or any of those things. Oh, it's sure. just who I am. Yeah. I allowed myself to now be who I am, a person who has these abilities. And, and that's a really that important was, thing, yeah, the, the authenticity. Yeah, that was the questioning that I kept asking these questions. Am I doing the right thing? And should I, you know? And, it was, and I kept getting the answer from ayahuasca. You know, you you know the answers to these. Why are you asking these questions? <laughs> and then it's a yeah. matter of what are you doing with it, you know? And that's that's always an ongoing thing. Well, so. yeah. It, with with when you take the ayahuasca, comes a certain level of responsibility with it as well because yeah. it's a gift that's been given to you. So tell me if there's anything that you found yourself doing differently afterwards, even with those gifts, because you obviously recognize that you've had them before. Um, was First of all, was there anything different that, that was, was something that you came out of there with that you didn't realize you had before, and then what you did with those things? I think, um, I think one of the most positive things it's done for me is it's given me a little bit more tolerance. Um, I had a lot of impatience with other people who didn't understand or didn't get, or who, you know, who didn't get me or, and I realized that there, um, that the level of understanding isn't at the same place that mine's at. Like they don't get me Mm -hmm. because, because I am different, but I'm not different in a bad way. Um, so I think, so my, I think my tolerance for, uh, personal attacks has grown. <laughs> I, uh, you know, so I'm more like a duck with the water sliding off the back now. That's um, great. And and I think also I'm I'm not so quick to respond. I'm a little bit more because I'm I'm not. I think because I'm not I'm not as reactionary because I'm not coming from a place place of uncertainty and fear anymore. Mm-hmm. That's so great. So I'm able to to really you know look at things and um, but I'm still. I'm still processing a lot of what happened, and of every day I'm learning new things. And that's what I, that's what I really love about the process is that the more you more self examination and the more questioning and the more we look at ourselves, the more we find out. And I'm really enjoying that discovery process. I'm learning more about myself mm-hmm. um, every day, and and also learning more about the world around me. I'm seeing things that I didn't used to see. Like I see more hypocrisy, and I see more injustice, injustice, and more manipulation. I see I see some of the things in the world. And at first, it was a little bit overwhelming. Right. But now I also see. I'm not the only one that yeah. gets it, that there's a lot of other people out there and that we all are trying to do something positive, that there are people out there trying to make good changes and that it's we're not just all under this evil control of this negative power. There was Because there has been a big imbalance in the world for the last several centuries. Absolutely. And, um, and I, re- I, re- I really feel more confident now, and especially with um, you know programs like yourself for educating people, our access to social media. The social media has been a tool that's been used against us, but now we're figuring out how to use it ourselves. And um, you know, I think I think people are becoming more aware, and I'm I'm excited about those things. And I think 
I'm also learning how to communicate in a less frightening manner to people because I used to just blurt stuff out. That was the absolute <laughs> truth. <laughs> but not everybody has the capacity to deal with the truth. Right. So, you know, I'm understanding the whole concept of sugarcoating. <laughs> and it's not, you know, it's not being dishonest. It's just some people cannot take the truth. And the truth hurts. So you have to be careful how you administer truth. And I think you it, a lot of it. deliver truth. Yeah, and it also has to do with, with what state you're in when you're delivering that truth, too. Um, yeah. Because I think, well, you and I have talked a great deal about the kinds of, of, of work we've been involved in and in investigating some really deeply disturbing things about the world. And I remember um, just from my own personal experience, when I was delivering a lot of that truth, it was coming from uh, a, a deeply angry place. I was very angry. <laughs> and so I think that it was almost like a weapon I used against people, and I was very defensive and, and all of those things. And, uh, and I actually had to just, you know, move out of that work entirely because it really wasn't for me. But I learned a great deal, and, and um, yeah, I learned a lot about all of that, about, you know, sharing the truth and from what standpoint. And, and it's, it's more flexible than we think, the truth. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I've learned myself how to pick my battles. Some things are just not worth dealing with. Yeah, it, they, it, they're just not as important. And um, I've I've also sort of I've learned how to approach different kinds of people. Like I feel like I'm a much uh, a much better communicator in some ways now because because I'm not coming from that place of fear or uncertainty anymore. Yeah. I, you know, I feel like I have a right to say the things that I'm saying. You know, you know, in social media, you see people slamming each other and, and oh, calling each other, you're an idiot, and what kind of, you know, just a horrible name-calling and labeling, and, and I used to get dragged into that stuff, and now I kind of look and I think, how unfortunate it is that those people can't see what's really right in front of them and it's because they're so consumed with anger and fear yeah and um and that's something we can relate to too you know i've been there so i i I know what that's like (laughs) we have to sometimes you can't see sometimes you can't see something because your 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 glasses are steamed up from from being so angry yeah (laughs) you know it's like so i think um now and now I, i i don't take things personally the same way i took things personally because i realize that not everyone's going to like me. Yeah. Not everyone's going to agree with what I say. Not everyone's got the same experiences that I have. We're all very unique, but we're all connected. And Absolutely. me sending bad energy to somebody else is just like swallowing my own poison. Not helpful. Um, I'm so sorry, but we're going to have to wrap it up because we've got another show that's coming in. But I am so grateful that you joined us today and shared your story and all of your insights. It was wonderful. Thank you well, so thank much. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a beautiful experience for me, too. I, I, I appreciate the opportunity to share. Thank you. Thanks, Allison. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks on Radio Regent in lovely downtown Toronto. And I'm your host, Rebecca Hayden. Please visit us at radioregent.com and join our live chat or connect with me at rebeccahayden.com.